Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander on a wonderful Saturday morning. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good morning, Jason. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. We had a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. Always weird to have. What do you mean you've had it? We're in the middle of it. Well, you know, we had <laughs> some of us had to work yesterday, Bill, and you know, it just it breaks up the week a little bit. I enjoyed the time off and I enjoyed the celebration, but yeah. I just I wish it would have fallen on a Friday. Uh-oh. Well, it, it would have been nice. Uh, my my office was – we celebrated uh, both Thursday and Friday. Well, you're, uh, you guys so do it folks, right. My folks were very, very pleased with that uh, for a, a nice long weekend. And actually, I spent my 4th of July uh, in a little uh, mountain community that's absolutely wonderful c- called Montreat. Uh, it's the old Presbyterian assembly grounds, um, uh, and, and it's a one – I mean, some folks would call it a resort community, uh, but um, uh, it's just a wonderful place that has an old-fashioned Fourth of July parade. And for those folks who missed it this year, they do it every year, and uh, it's a very special place to be uh, on the Fourth of July. Uh, they have um, uh, a, a club program, a summer uh, day camp type club program, and that actually started um, and still continues today uh, to, to support uh, the church programming that goes on in Montreat during the in the summer, um, where the parents could go to the conference center and their children would have something fun to do all day. And so uh, – but it's um, less that today than it was back when I was a, a kid. Uh, but they have a wonderful parade that, that comes down and all of the kids are actually in the parade. And, and of course, that has uh, has the fire engines and the horses and the uh, – um, uh, bagpipes and uh, all of the kids in different costumes and things and lots of uh, uh, families and of course a lot of Presbyterian and Scottish heritage uh, is mixed in there as well but it's just lots of fun and then they do crafts all afternoon and then they have a great big square dance with about 3,000 of your favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a special place to be and so um, – uh, it's a great, great time. And so for those folks who missed it this year, you might want to put it on your, your agenda for next 4th of July. It's, uh, of course, um, you know, most of us do have family traditions of, of uh, one sort or another. But I do think it is important for us um, uh, to to remember why we're free you know the fourth of july is is all about our patriotism about our country and about our freedom and it 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 is a time that that we can sit back relish and appreciate our freedom uh and of course whenever we do that we we also have to think about why we have our freedom and the fact that our freedom has been preserved by folks who uh, have served and sacrificed uh, for the rest of us. And, of course, everyone knows I'm talking about our uh, 
folks who have served in the armed forces uh, of this country uh, and have sacrificed um, a great deal. Uh, in fact, uh, anyone who has ever served in the armed forces, uh, some were lucky and didn't have to put their lives in danger. Uh, but uh, most folks know when they join the armed forces that uh, they may be called to put their lives on the line. And that's something that most Americans, frankly, are not willing to do. So <laughs> we're damn lucky to have the folks uh, who recognize uh, how important it is uh, that we have uh, a strong defense, that we have a strong armed forces, and that requires people who are willing um, to, to sacrifice. Um, you know, one of the disappointments, quite frankly, has been uh, the fact that the veterans uh, 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 are not – you know, they're promised an awful lot. And more often than not, our civil servants in Washington uh, break those promises more than they keep those promises to our veterans. And so uh, obviously, um, uh, you know, and, and, and there are companies out there, um, you know, Lowe's comes to mind where they give uh, veterans discounts. And I know that every time I go in, they always thank you for your service, which, you know, is, it's, it's appreciated. Although I have to say that <laughs> sometimes um, it, it rings a little hollow. Um, and um, truthfully for me, and I have, I have a little prejudice here, uh, but I, I'm one who uh, really thinks that, that most Americans are using the wrong word. I mean, service is correct. I mean, the folks who um, served in the armed forces are, are serving the, the country no matter what capacity they were in. But what folks don't realize is that there, even for those members who never went to war, never, you know, had that kind of sacrifice, is that it is a sacrifice to serve. Um, I mean, all you have to do is ask any serviceman spouse about the sacrifice that that the families have to make uh, when they uh, are on duty. I mean, and it and unlike most jobs, being in the armed forces is a twenty four seven job. You're always on call. Uh, it's not nine to five. It's not eight to four. It's <laughs> it's twenty four seven. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation. There's, there's no time that's sacrosanct as far as your, your own personal life is concerned as long as you're wearing the uniform. And so there are, there are little sacrifices and big sacrifices that families have had to make. And then, of course, there are families that have had to make the ultimate sacrifice as well. And this is a time that we can appreciate that. Um, and uh, it's it's important. Um, now, obviously, um, we try in my office, WG Alexander and Associates. We we do try to help our veterans, um, and there are benefits uh, that uh, many veterans miss out on because they, truthfully, they don't even know about them. 
the the VA is a, a big bureaucracy. They, in some ways, their their parts of the VA are doing a little bit better. Uh, I will give them uh, the VA a little bit of credit because they're they are doing some, making some changes. Uh, as it relates to healthcare services, and that uh, most of the the changes that I've seen have been very positive. Um, and in this area, in the Raleigh, Durham, uh, Chapel Hill, you know, in this area, uh, the healthcare uh, for veterans who are using the VA healthcare services um, is very good. Uh, now there are parts of the state and parts of the country where they're they're um, Healthcare is less than great, <laughs> but uh, we're very fortunate in this area um, to have uh, a really good VA hospital and good clinics. You know, a lot of folks don't realize we have a clinic right here in Raleigh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, services are very, very good. Uh, so I'll give the VA credit on that side, but there's two other uh, big pieces of the VA that a lot of folks um, don't think about. Uh, one is also a good group. That's the NCA part of the VA, uh, and that really is uh, is uh, the cemetery is, uh, um, uh, where uh, you know when a veteran dies, uh, they help with the arrangements, flags, um, whatever military honors might be appropriate. Uh, the cemetery plots when that's appropriate. Uh, and, uh, and and the like, and they are they have always been the most responsive organization in the VA, and they've done a terrific job from day one. Whereas the healthcare system at the VA uh, has been less than adequate at times, and we've of course you know the actually the healthcare system, the private healthcare system in the United States has been less than adequate. Uh, more often than not, we hate to say it, but again, in this area, we have really good health care. Um, you know, three major hospitals in Raleigh, and of course in Durham there's hospitals, and Chapel Hill there's hospitals. Bottom line is we've got some of the best health care in the world right here in the uh, Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area. Um, but there is the also a, a large uh, – branch of the VA for the benefits called the VBA. You know, there's there's separated VHA, that's the hospital and healthcare, VBA, the benefits area, and then the NCA, which is the cemetery group. And uh, truthfully, the the VA has is a huge bureaucracy and it, each one of those heads, if you will, have never talked with each other. I mean it's it's like they live in separate worlds and that people scratch their heads when it uh, comes to those kinds of things. And it's the VBA that really is uh, ha- has done a horribly inadequate job in terms of, of uh, protecting uh, the benefits that have been promised um, our, our veterans. And, and that's, you know, one of the things that we focus on in my office is the fact that we have a number of veterans who need assistance, and the VA is there to tell them, no, your claim is denied. And it has more to do with the fact that the claim is not filed correctly, it's not uh, processed properly, and and I think that the VA for the benefits section just has a big red denied stamp 
that uh, they don't even look at the application the first time you file it. Uh, they just put denied and hope you'll go away. And and that's one of the things that really makes my blood boil. <laughs> but um, there is one area that we focus on in the office because others don't do such a hot job in helping veterans with it. And that is called the VA pension uh, now, there are a lot of authors out there who wrongly call it the Aid and Attendance Program, but it's actually a program to help veterans and their families um, with long-term care expenses, which, of course, there's very few other places people can go for assistance. Now, this particular program only applies to veterans who served on active duty during a period of war. And so when we look at the periods of war uh, where this benefit actually applies, we're talking about veterans who served during World War II, veterans who served during the Korean conflict, and Vietnam. Now, obviously, it could potentially apply to those who've served in the desert as well, but obviously Korea – and Vietnam are the are the two uh, most likely uh, areas at this point because there are very few World War II veterans left, and they're all in their 90s, uh, and some older than that. Um, but there are just not many World War II veterans left, and so most of the folks we're seeing today are, are veterans who served during the during the Korean conflict or during the Vietnam conflict. Now, this program does not require a military member to have actually served in the in Korea or uh, in Vietnam, just have served on active duty in any of the armed forces during that period of time, no matter where they served. And so that's, that's rule number one, to be potentially eligible uh, for this benefit. Um, And so uh, it's an important benefit because there are very few people, uh, veterans and non-veterans alike, who can afford the cost of care when they need assistance with activities of daily living or worse if they they need more than that, if they need medical attention as well. So I, I realize that I've gone on a little bit too long. Uh, and we have to take a break. But I want to come back to talk about uh, this particular uh, pension program and how some veterans may – they need to learn more about it. And you need to share it with your friends who might be veteran families that um, – who could potentially benefit by this program because – Truthfully, most veterans don't know about the program, and um, they never apply for it. And if you don't apply for it, you're not going to get it. We will continue our discussion on the VA pension program, and we'll also tell you about an opportunity to get plenty more information about this for free this week on Wednesday. We'll have more details on that in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. I want to remind you, WGALaw.com is Bill's website. You can find plenty of information about him there. You can also find his Asset Protection Today podcast on his website and also wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's a wonderful way to get plenty more information from Bill. We're talking about the VA pension program and Bill, we uh, just sort of explained uh, one of the, the first prerequisites, which was uh, uh, having done one day of duty during a wartime period. Well, that's exactly uh, right. In other words, you, you uh, that's one of the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, you had to have served on active duty for at least one day during the war period. So that basically means if you enlisted on the last day of the war, then you're a war period veteran for this program. Or if you were uh, uh, discharged from active duty on the first day of the war uh, from active duty, then again, you are considered a war period veteran. As long as for the folks who served in World War II, Korea or Vietnam, if you served at least 90 days of active duty, which isn't much, as we all know, because most per- people who served on active duty served for uh, at least two years, and a lot of us served more than that. So it just um, – uh, but it only requires 90 days of active duty. And you say, well, how could you only serve 90 days um, on active duty. Uh, and I'm not talking about active duty for training. You know, there uh, are a lot of folks who might have served in the uh, reserve forces or in the National Guard forces uh, who went to, you know, boot camp, if you will. And if you went to boot camp from the National Guard or the reserve and that was the only time you saw active duty, that's not actually active duty. That's active duty for training. Uh, which is a different category. Um, so there are a lot of folks who might have served five or six years or even longer, uh, and but they never served on active duty. They just went to boot camp for training, uh, or the, and they did their 15 days during the summer. Uh, and again, that's active duty for training, so it doesn't count towards this program. Uh, but let's say you did serve. Now, wh- how could you serve only 90 days? Well, Truthfully, there are a lot of folks who were drafted or enlisted, um, and let's say they went through boot camp, of which for most folks last more than 90 days, <laughs> um, and, and then something happened uh, where they were administratively discharged for medical reasons, uh, or it might have been uh, some situation at home, uh, a hardship type of situation where the military let uh, folks out of their obligation to go home and take care of things. Um, there are a lot of circumstances like that. Uh, and again, you don't have to have received an honorable discharge. You can't have a dishonorable, but you know, basically any other kind of discharge – does not keep you from receiving this benefit. So if you were administratively discharged, you're still good to go on this program. So if you are a veteran uh, who served or if your uh, dad or mom did 
uh, you need to know this uh, if you served during the period of war. Or let's say that uh, your veteran has died since then and you're the widow uh, or the widower of a veteran who served during a war period, um, then there's a pot- potential benefit for you. Or, and this is one where the VA, if you asked them directly, they'd give you the correct answer that there's not a spousal benefit, but that's misleading. It's a half-truth because the truth is is that there is a benefit for the living veteran who has a spouse who is very sick uh, and needs assistance. So this program can cover basically the veteran himself or herself. It can cover the veteran's spouse uh, while the veteran is living, and it can also cover the veteran's widow or widower uh, after the death of the veteran. Now, that's assuming that the surviving spouse uh, does not remarry uh, and that there wasn't a divorce involved. Um, You know, that cuts off this potential benefit. But for those others, then there's uh, a possibility. So now the the other piece that th- this – the test, this is not an easy one to get and this is one reason why uh, it's helpful for folks who fall into this category and need this assistance to actually – come see us at W.G. Alexander and Associate or another elder law attorney who is steeped in VA and is certified as a VA accredited attorney. Uh, Truthfully, there's no one out there who should be giving advice to veterans uh, who is not an accredited advisor with the VA. And you can go online and check out who those folks are because there are unfortunately a lot of folks <laughs> who, uh, who tend to try to advise uh, veterans who have no business doing it. Um, but look for VA accredited attorneys or other people. You don't have to be an attorney to be an accredited advisor, but uh, you do have to be accredited with the VA in order to give a veteran uh, advice on veteran benefits. That is a, a very important thing. So, all right, so you fall into that category or you have a parent who falls into that category and they need financial assistance. Uh, the, the VA, after you get past the first test of did you serve uh, at the right time for the right amount of uh, days and those kinds of things, uh, which is an easy test for those folks. Um, then the, the, there is an income test and an asset test. And understanding how those tests work can be pretty complicated, actually. Now, the VA, uh, unfortunately, in an effort to reduce the number of claims that they could approve, uh, instituted some new rules last October, and the the truth is it was clear that the whole purpose of the VA in instituting these new rules was so that they could deny deny more claims rather than to help veterans. Um, You know, that's one of the sad things about the policymakers in the VA. They're very anti-veteran, and it's it's a really sad, sad thing. Uh, But uh, maybe one day we'll get some good people – uh, in the policy making roles who will actually try to keep the promises that that uh, that 
we've made to our veteran community. Uh, but with that said, I mean, I know I'm on my preaching course here, and I apologize for that. But it just, like I said, it, it makes me mad to see how the VA actually treats uh, many of our, our veterans. Um, so um, there is an there is an asset test, and under these new rules that were implemented, uh, if you have countable assets of more than $127,000, then they're going to deny your claim, all right? So uh, you say, well, what's countable and what's not countable? Well, uh, and you also have to understand that the VA doesn't count the same way that other government assistance programs like Medicaid or special assistance counts. They count differently. They count their own way. You know, that's the military way or the VA way. Um, they don't count your home uh, and they give you a couple acres. So if your home sits on an acre or two or less, then they're not going to count your land. Uh, but if you sit on a 100-acre farm, they're going to count 98 acres of your farm and probably deny your claim because of that. Totally ridiculous. Um, if uh, Now, if you have five or ten acres but you're in a, a subdivision where uh, the acreage more than two acres is not – has no value because it's basically you have to have that much land to be in that subdivision and you can't sell it or subdivide it or those kind of things – then they're not going to count that. But you have to prove to them that it's not a valuable resource to you um, under those circumstances. Um, so your home, they'll give you a vehicle. In other words, they don't count your vehicle, one. Uh, they don't count uh, your furniture, furnishings, personal items, uh, guns, jewelry, uh uh, you know, those kinds of things because they couldn't count them anyway if you get right down to them. But they're going to count everything else. So money in the bank, retirement accounts, um, investments, um, uh, uh, cash value of life insurance, uh, just, you know, anything else that has value. Uh, you know, if you have uh, automobiles other than your one exempt vehicle – uh, which most people do have at least a couple. Um, some people have a lot more than that. Um, so they're going to count everything else um, that you have. And if, and if the values exceed $127,000, then they're going to deny you help uh, because they say you're over-resourced. Uh, well, that's, you know, unfortunate that, that they've done that. Um, now, Let's let's say that you are taking an example, for instance, and this is a solution because if you're under 127000 then you're going to meet that test. And I'm going to warn you in advance that the income test is even more complicated than the asset test. But I'm going to go back to the asset so I can give you an example. Let's say that you're a veteran that has um, a retirement account and you have other – um, nest egg investments of three or four hundred thousand dollars, and you have a home, but you need assistance. You're, you you don't have enough income uh, to pay the bills, uh, particularly because you are uh, you you have to get some assistance taking care of yourself or your wife or your husband. Um, and so, uh, what might you do? And and 
if you have a situation where you're dealing with a progressive disease, uh, Alzheimer's is a great example. You know, when you get your original diagnosis, it's not uh, an immediate death sentence. It's basically a long-term uh, – it's shorter than we want it to be, but it's basically a long-term imprisonment if you <laughs> if you get down to it. So – uh, you could, for instance, when you get your initial diagnosis, that uh, go ahead and put your property into an irrevocable trust that complies with the VA rules. Uh, and then three years later, there's a three-year look back. That's part of the new rules where they implemented these rules to be able to deny more claims. Um, so you can basically put that excess property into an irrevocable trust that complies with the VA rules, and then three years later, you w- would be eligible under the asset rule. And so a good example would be – and I, I tend not uh, – when I try to not use um, long-term irrevocable trusts for my clients, but this is one under the new rules – that uh, uh, basically, if you have more than one hundred and twenty-seven thousand, if you have a lot more than that, if you have close to that, then there are other ways to get under one hundred and twenty-seven being approved. But for those who are way over that, but they still need assistance because there are lots of folks that don't have adequate income, even though they have some nice resources, and nobody wants to run out of money, and so you need assistance. Well. This is an area where veterans deserve assistance so that, that they can get the actual help they need because, as we all know or should know at this point, our health insurance uh, doesn't help. Uh, TRICARE, if you're a military retiree, doesn't help with long-term care. So it's um, – you're on your own. you got to privately pay from whatever sources you have, whether it's your income or assets that you might have. That's why – that's why seniors worry about running out of money. Um, so under the new rules, if you use an irrevocable tr- tr- trust, and of course if you have a progressive d- disease, nobody typically needs financial assistance at the onset of an, a lot of progressive diseases. And so uh, and Alzheimer's would be a really good example of that. Uh, Parkinson's can be another one uh, that can be pro- very progressive. So there are a lot of different circumstances out there where you know in advance that you're going to need assistance up the road, and that's where an irrevocable trust would come in real handy. Uh, And obviously, if it's done right, it can also serve you well with Medicaid or special assistance and some other programs uh, like that. And I know you're looking at me like we need to take a break, but I need to mention about the uh, income test because that's actually the most complicated when it comes to VA assistance. Yeah, we'll address that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is 
the Asset Protection Today show with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Jason Kong. He is Bill Alexander. And uh, we're talking a lot about VA matters today. And Bill, before we get into the income test, which we uh, left off on last segment, I do want to remind everyone that you've got three wonderful seminars uh, available to folks for free this Wednesday, an opportunity to find out more about the topics that we've discussed today, uh, particularly with VA matters, but you also touch on Medicaid and special assistance for those who are dealing with uh, a long-term care crisis. That's right. And 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 frankly, nobody's going to get enough out of this show to know what to do uh, or whether they can be eligible uh, for this uh, veterans program. Uh, and so those families really need to come to our seminar. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, it takes a two-hour investment out of your time, but it, it can make all the difference in the world in terms of, of having the resources to pay for care where you're, you, you don't – you're trying to find a way – uh, to take care of yourself or a loved one. It's, it's just huge. And of course, it's a free seminar. Um, you know, there's no food involved. You know, we're not doing that, but we're trying to educate folks on these programs and how to get eligible for them. So it, it really is helpful. And I would encourage folks to, uh, give us a call or, or sign up, uh, for, um, uh, this seminar where they, you, we, I promise you will learn more about these programs than, than you could possibly learn on your own. And it's, uh, critical information for families to have. But there are two more things I want to talk about to, for, uh, our veterans before we move on. And when it comes to the VA pension program, often called the aid and attendance program, even though that's really not correct. But it's for a long, long-term care, and there is a very complicated income test. And I will just say this outright. Most veterans who are trying to stay at home and who that has a long-term care issue isn't trying to stay at home. I mean, that's the whole goal is, is not to have to go into a facility. Well, one of the nice things about the VA program, if you can get it, is the fact that you can use it for any level of care. So if you're at home, the VA program, if you're eligible, is available to you. If you're in an independent living community, it's still available to you. If you're in assisted living, of course it's available to you. If you're in nursing home, it can also be available to you. However, if you're in a nursing home, it's not likely that it's going to be even close to being enough money. And most folks uh, have to go to Medicaid for financial assistance when they go to a nursing facility. And, of course, again, going back to our seminar, that's what we focus on. We focus primarily on the VA pension benefit and Medicaid and, and the different Medicaid programs out there that can help folks, including special assistance. And then, of course, we talk about other uh, issues relating to long-term care, including Medicare, uh, and how that works and how it all fits together or doesn't fit together. And, and that's why these seminars are so important. But getting back to the income test as it relates to uh, um, pension, the, the reason that most folks are denied is that, that they don't understand that this is a reimbursement program. It's not a pension. You know, they call it a pension. It's not a pension. 
it's a reimbursement. And so, Jason, this is a really tough question, but if you want to get reimbursed for something, what do you have to do first? got to pay for something, I would think. That's exactly right. In other words, you have to pay for long-term care in order to be reimbursed. And unfortunately, this test requires you to pay out a lot of your money, your income, in for long-term care in order to get reimbursed at all. So there's some tricks of the trade involved as it relates to being able to um, be approved, particularly when you're trying to stay at home. Uh, it's less tricky if you're paying out all of your money for assisted living or nursing care. But when you're staying at home, the truth is if you don't get professional help, it's highly likely that you would be denied based on the income test, uh, even if you pass all the other tests. And that's uh, that's a, another – they make these tests so complicated uh, that an, a, a regular person can't understand them. Yet, truthfully, you have to be an expert to really understand how this stuff works. And that's why with this particular program, having an attorney who knows these programs – and can uh, can actually help you while a lot of other folks uh, are not particularly good at helping you with this one program. Now, I could go on and on about this program. I could also talk about disability benefits with the VA and other benefits with the VA, but I don't have time to do that. So I'll just, just say, come see us, and we'll give you whatever information we, we can that, that might help you. Now, there's one last thing, and again – this was an effort on the VA to basically screw veterans so that they could deny your claims. Now, what they've done with these new rules, and my expectation is uh, within the next couple years that either Congress will intervene or the courts will intervene and throw out uh, some or all of these rules that were implemented by the VA without any – impetus on anybody's point. In other words, Congress didn't make them change the rules. They just did this internally. I don't even think they have the authority to make these changes because – but they did it on their own. So that's one of the reasons I think that the courts are going to throw these rules out. But it takes a couple years to get it into the courts to to where a judge will say, you can't do that. But okay. The last thing they did, uh, they were trying to rectify the problem, but, you know, in, in the VA in its own uh, wonderful way basically did it in such a way that they would screw everybody. Uh, so what they do? They basically said if you annuitize your retirement account or if you annuitize any other property, we're going to deny your claim. Just a blanket. You, you buy an annuity, we're denying your claim. Now, the other thing that they did that they're, that they're catching a lot of seniors off guard on is let's say that you bought an annuity five or ten years ago. Uh, has nothing to do with your thinking about, oh, I, I want to apply for VA benefits later on. Uh, you know, it had nothing to do with it because annuities are, you know, they have their place among investments. Uh, I think most folks know, I know how I think feel about a lot of annuities. They're, they have been abused uh, by a lot of folks, uh, but they have their place. There's some places where they're really good for folks. And uh, But let's say you bought an annuity five years ago and it's been accumulating. In other words, you haven't asked for any of your money back yet. 
And then now it's time for you to annuitize it where you get an income stream from that investment that you made five or ten years ago. Well, again, if you annuitize your annuity, there's just a blanket denial uh, from the VA for this program. And that's, th- this is one of those onerous rules where the, the VA overreached again in order to deny claims. And uh, it's very, very unfortunate. And, I, and truthfully, I truly hope that the courts and or Congress intervene and, and really get the VA back on track to helping veterans the way they should be. Uh, fulfilling the promises made to our veterans. There's so many landmines like these that make these waters so hard to navigate, and that's that's really why we want to encourage people to register for one of your seminars this Wednesday. Uh, again, you can go online to wgalaw.com. That's the website, wgalaw.com, or you can call 919 Two five six seven thousand. It's free to attend. We do ask that you register in advance, and you can do that online at wgalaw.com or by calling 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. I uh, want to remind you again, Bill's got three wonderful seminars available to you for free. This Wednesday, you can go online to register WGALaw.com or call 919 919- Two five six seven thousand, and we've spent uh, much of the morning here talking about the VA and uh, the assistance that you can get there through their reimbursement program, uh, confusingly called the pension program. Uh, but Bill, the, you know, there's the seminars address other things other than the VA. Well, I, absolutely, and, and one of the weird things that I would tell folks is that f- folks should not look at the VA pension program. Uh, by itself, because the fact of the matter is that uh, the VA pension program, while the maximum that it can pay is is up to $2,200 a month, which is extremely helpful, and even for a widow, they can pay up to $1,200 a month, that that's not enough for most long-term care issues. And so it does supplement and does make a big difference. But the families who do VA planning also need to understand at least uh, some basics about Medicaid because, duh, people who are sick get worse. And over time, the VA may not be enough. So oftentimes we have clients that start out on VA and they move to Medicaid. Well, when you do your VA planning, you should always be doing it with the potential for needing to apply for Medicaid in the future because people do get uh, worse over time. I mean, even those of us who are relatively healthy, our bodies don't work near as well as it did 20 years ago, 
And so we know as we get older, we go downhill. And if we get bad enough, we the for those of us who served in a war period, then we have the VA pension. And for those who get even worse, then Medicaid is a saving grace for a lot of families. And that's why we focus on that um, at our seminar. Yeah, and you do need that expert advice if you want to successfully uh, apply and hopefully be approved for these programs. Again, WGALaw.com is the website to register, or you can call 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you've uh, found any part of today's program helpful, you can register for Bill's free seminars coming up this Wednesday. There are three of them. You can go online to find more. WGALaw.com is the website. You can also call 919 256 7000. 919 Two five six seven thousand. There you can register, or you can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill if you have some other matters that you need to address with him. Uh, Bill, any quick parting shots before we go? Just ask folks to share the knowledge of our seminars, to share the knowledge that we've shared with you this morning, because there's so many families out there that have no clue that these benefits are available to them. Yeah. Please share. Again, WGALaw.com is the place to do that. Bill also has plenty of podcasts with his podcast series, the Asset Protection Today podcast, about these matters that are quick, easy, digestible, and shareable. We're out of time for today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Asset Protection Today here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful holiday weekend.